0: Hey, what's up, Bar listeners? Before we get into this episode, want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by AGTV. That's right. The people that made the American Gospel Documentary has come up with a streaming service app that's pretty much like Netflix for solid biblical content. Go to watch AGTV. Use the code BAR the number 1 to get 10% off the monthly rate. AGTV is so awesome. They also have our very own Just Thinking podcast on there. So, you want to make sure you go to watch AGTV. Use the code BAR, the number one, for 10% off. This week's podcast brought to you by Visual Theology. Go now to Visual Theology and use the code BAR for 15% off anything you purchase from their website. The link is in the show notes. Go now, check it out, enjoy the bar. Come to the bar,
1: come on and pull up a seat. reformation yeah.
0: the bar, biblical and reformed. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your boy Dwayne in the building, right back in here. Another Tuesday. Super excited to bring you another awesome guest. But before I get into the guests and introduce them to you guys, I like to start every show the same way. I like to thank the listeners. You guys have been awesome. Uh, We just completed uh, our Ligonier sponsorship with the Table Talk, and you guys turned out in really good numbers, and I appreciate that. Uh, So much so that we may be uh, doing another sponsorship with uh, Ligonier and Table Talk. um, It's kind of still in the works, but I just want to show my gratitude to you guys, just being faithful listeners and and, uh, and, and rocking with your boy every Tuesday and uh, subscribing to to the bar, man. Just a big shout out to you guys for that. Uh, today, super excited by this guest. Um, we kind of, we were talking and then we paused and we picked it back up um, and we right back in here again. Uh, I bring to the microphone none other than Mr. Joel. How are you, sir?
1: Doing great. It's great to be with you.
0: Good stuff, man. So, Joe, like I like to start every show, uh, I always let, give you the floor to introduce yourself. <laughs> let the people know, you know, who you are, what you want to share, professional or personal, and then we'll jump right into it.
1: Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I could do the whole show probably talking about myself. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, character trait I think a lot of us uh, public theology guys probably share. But Uh, I'm the president of a ministry called the American Vision, which has been around since 1979 with the mission to restore America to its biblical foundations. And we've engaged in a variety of worldview teachings, teachings on biblical law, uh, politics, government, American history, but also a strong stream in eschatology and a variety of things, all based on a core, which I think has to be the core, uh, of Reformed theology. And that's been going on, as I said, since 1979. So I joined in 2008, and I was made president in 2015. My background is fairly diverse. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in liberal arts, rhetoric and philosophy, I went to seminary at Reformed Episcopal Seminary in Philadelphia, which is a conservative, very small school. And then after joining American Vision, I did a PhD at Pretoria University. And uh, so now I'm a PhD. And Along the way, I've, been, I've written books on apologetics, on biblical logic, I've written books on biblical worldview, on America's history in various aspects, uh, biblical view of war, and the latest book that I've written, which uh, I think many of your viewers may be interested to engage with, is The Problem of Slavery in Christian America. Because my background and my study in biblical law, which is probably the core of what I do, uh, led me to get very interested in the history of jurisprudence in America. And then begin to see the areas in which what is best in American history is drawn directly from Old Testament law and various aspects of the biblical law as applied in the new testament and then uh, began to engage the argument from many people in my circles and also which overlaps somewhat with libertarian circles uh, this kind of very strong neo-confederate view pro-southern view uh, arguments on the old south that well this really wasn't about slavery after all the race issue was only brought in later, and it was really about states' rights and limited government, and anybody who supports those things should support the Old South and views views similar to that or or like it. And the more I read and studied of, of the law, I, I just saw these great disparities, and I saw the huge need for correcting some of that history. But then on the flip side of it, I'm convinced that biblical law teaches free markets, strictly limited government, uh, uh, local government, not strong centralized governments, and uh, free community solutions to many of the problems that too many people today are looking to the state to solve. And so uh, I see on the left, who generally dominate the issue of race in America, Solutions that always come from the central government, solutions that are in many cases derived from a Marxist worldview, and these things, and I'm speaking in broad generalities here, by the way, these things right. cause this great tension between, you know, people who speak of race positively tend to fall on the left and people who want limited government fall on the right. And I see biblical law and biblical teaching as bridging that divide and being able to solve the issues. If we'll start to listen to each other. And uh, as I began to research and write this book on the problem of slavery in Christian America, I realized that we really have not listened. Uh, And when I say we it's hard to make any like single people group, but certainly white conservatives as a generality, evangelicals uh conservatives in general, simply have not listened to a lot of our black brothers and sisters where they're coming from on this issue. I could say it's just something random like do you do you have you ever heard of Juneteenth and uh, the vast majority of white evangelicals and conservatives I know would probably have never even heard the term. Would have no idea what what it means or why it's a thing. And if you explained, well, this is this is what a lot of lot a lot of blacks see as you know their Fourth of July there would be an automatic knee-jerk reaction as to, well, why can't we all celebrate the same 4th of July? What's wrong with them? They're the ones being racist if they make their own black 4th of July. And that is something spoken from a position of utter ignorance. And And I say that earnestly as a a chastisement to people on the conservative side of the debate. So if we just step back and listen, and read some of our own history, it's much easier to see where people are coming from. If you say, I see value and honor and something great in Black History Month, you will be pilloried by conservatives and conservative Christians almost across the board in a knee-jerk reaction. And that need not be, because you can say that without being you know i know this is hard for you guys to believe but you can say that without being a marxist <laughs> you can <laughs> say that without capitulating to this thing they call cultural marxism or whatever you don't have to be a leftist to say you know what let's read some black history there's a reason why blacks see and hear and and feel if i can say that our history differently than we do you know and mm-hmm. so i was I tried to be as honest as possible as I wrote this book. And as much as I honor and adore the traditions written by men like Thomas Jefferson, uh, I also know the very dark side of his history when it comes, you know, to his open confessions in his letters to breeding slaves uh, for profit. You know, there's no dispute about this in the historical evidence but most people don't even hear about it. And so you could say in a, in a room full of mixed whites and blacks, you know, you could bring up the name of Thomas Jefferson and one person in that room would have completely different feelings than another different than another person would merely because of what they know about his history and what they value about it. And if, That doesn't mean we have to be on separate sides, polarized from each other in this eternal argument. But we do need to listen to each other. Because isn't that what we're called to do as Christians? To bear ye one another's burdens. To uh, fulfill what Christ, the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, that uh, had the riches of heaven at his disposal, and yet didn't think that anything to set aside and come into humanity knowing he was going to die, not just die, but even the death of the cross, utter humiliation in order to be able to reach those that couldn't help themselves or were lost, however you want to look at it. And it doesn't just say, oh, look what Christ did for you. Let's value that as Christians. It says specifically Let this mind be in you also. And Mm -hmm. I say, why can't we do that for our black brothers and sisters? I know there are a lot of evangelicals who will take something like a leftist or Marxist approach to alleviating the differences and healing race relations. I might not agree with that. That doesn't mean I can't listen and try to understand where they're coming from. And so I wanted to write a book about the true facts of the history of slavery and racism in our nation's history, as well specifically as the church's role in that. And you will find out that the church's failures in that have specific doctrinal back backgrounds. And also they come from the most conservative, most Bible believing traditions at the time. And that, ought to give us pause today also
0: hmm. wow good stuff great introduction um uh, <clears throat> that is uh that, that sounds very interesting and you know one thing that i i want to i guess kind of add to that uh is you know kind of answering your question you know why can't we talk i think the fear there's fear there uh that that bounds not just uh, quote unquote, the white or the black side, I mean, but just in general, uh, fear of, uh, of uh, I mean, honestly, I don't even know, but I definitely recognize that. That's, that's definitely legit. So let's talk about, um, as far as, you know, you talking about, you know, the church involvement and not, you know, giving away anything in a book. Um, but for those that may want to discredit, you know, uh, uh, maybe a well-known, because uh, I, I think it's, uh, let's see, propaganda that uh, has a song about, you know, Puritans. So people that kind of turn their, you know, in the African-American community that turn their face or turn their nose up at Puritans because of where they were at the time. How do you, I guess, address that or what in your research, you know, what did you come back from your, with your research on on that issue as far as the people that were, during that time, you know, and whatever involvement, and then us reading their works or quoting them now.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a real problem, too. Uh First of all, in the book on the history of the Puritans, the Puritan era, and really the, the entire sweep of American history from Jamestown all the way up until the 1960s. I try to be as candid as possible. So even our most revered figures in the reformed world, like George Whitfield, openly candid about his position, how he changed, why he changed, and why it's shameful. Uh, men like uh, Cotton Mather, and uh, like I said, pretty much the whole sweep. Uh, men like Charles Hodge, who would have been anti-slavery, and uh, yet would would not support the strongest pushes against it because they had this kind of gradual view of change in society and we we can't be too radical. And so, in a yeah. way, enabling what happened and what continued. You know, for yeah, the see. entire degree, from the very worst to even the ones we would give some credit, uh, I try to be as candid as possible. Uh, there are some men... And again, there's a problem when you say the Puritans, because the, right, that's of kind of a broad generality. There's a lot of different views within Puritans. There was a, a heated debate very early around, oh, I want to say around 1700, 1702 or something like that, between two Puritan judges in Massachusetts, uh, Sewell and Safin. And it's in the literature you hear quite a bit about the sewell Saffin debate. And one of them was strongly pro-slavery and one was strongly anti-slavery. And so, you know, those were both Puritans, so to speak. Um,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but in, in coming out of that particular debate, even though I believe it was uh, Saffin, who was, the, uh, don't quote me on that, was the anti-slavery proponent, he was nevertheless anti-slavery because he was a racist. And he didn't want the bringing of more black people into the colony uh, as a future threat to the white people. So even that was tainted in a way. Uh, Well, not in a way. It was tainted strongly. And I find that in as you go along in each separate case, you can find some that were far worse than others, like a Robert Dabney. Or you can find some that you would give generally credit, but say you still should have done better. Men like Whitfield, who, in my opinion, utterly flip-flopped from a strong anti-slavery position to a pretty strong slavery position when he moved to the South and wanted help on his plantation. Uh you know, I find that shameful. Does this mean we can't right. read their theological works afterwards? Um, with some of them I shy away from. I, and I have a lot of friends who are very strong supporters and lovers of Robert Dabney. I just can't go there. I take his entire works now and just push him, push him away. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to read that stuff, even what I would agree with in him. I just I can't do it. Uh, Charles Hodge, however, I would still consider compromised, and yet I would probably read his work a lot of the Puritans, great works of theology in there, worth reading. Uh, so I don't turn my nose up. And in fact, if you were consistent about this, and I haven't listened to propaganda, so I don't know exactly what he said or where he stands, but if you were consistent okay. with that, you know, you'd basically have to write off everybody before, say, 1830. I mean, because there aren't many consistent abolitionists before that time and even the people who were anti-slavery were still strongly racist the the strongest anti so-called anti-slavery movement in america was the american colonization society i mean this was the huge it was huge it was funded by the government and their whole mission was well okay we'll end slavery by shipping them all back to africa and, you know, then we won't have to worry about the black problem anymore. So none of that really is laudable in hindsight, except right. the really radical abolitionists. So if you're going to write off everybody that, right. you know, that was tainted by slavery, you're going to have to write off everybody, but maybe William Lloyd Garrison and Frederick Douglass and people of that stripe, which, by the way, mm-hmm. I love reading me some Frederick Douglass. The dude was
0: awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. He was gotcha. on fire. Yeah, see, pro- yeah, yeah. propaganda's uh song is pretty much talking about, uh, I guess, kind of holding those guys in high regard and you know, uh, always quoting them. You know, it, mm. it wasn't a, I guess, throwaway, but I guess what, what he had experienced was a lot of you know, I guess you can say Puritan praise. I'll say that, uh, and just kind of a reminder of you know, still, still, you know, men you know, dealing with sin or whatever. So that's kind of how that was. That's legit. So um, uh, how long has the book been out and what's been the response so far? What What kind of response have you gotten and, uh, you know, kind of some feedback you've gotten so far? Uh,
1: well, that's a good question. The book has been out since November. We've mm-hmm. sold probably more than I expected to sell. So in that sense, the reception's been good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of the people who have actually read it have had a positive review. I've had a fairly good number of people who came back and said, wow, this was eye-opening. I was always a partisan of the South. I always had different views on this, and I just had no idea how deep this went and how, how, how broad it was. Nobody knows the development of the slave law. I mean, it is just that part of the book alone is worth reading the book to know how we began creating laws in the 1640s and 50s and just slowly tweaked them over time to make sure that the blacks became permanent slaves, stayed permanent slaves. And then it made the, the female slaves vulnerable to rape. And they never addressed that issue and on and on and on and on. Uh, the people who have actually read that have come back and said, "Wow, I, I just have a completely different outlook on things now. So there have been some conversions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Then there's been a predictable reaction from a small segment of the society that are kind of like pro neoconcer or neo-confederate uh, even some modern day segregationist types. I mean, I knew what those people were gonna say right so, right right. The the problem is with Google, you know, it equalizes all those voices. You can go out and search mm-hmm. Joel McDermott problem with slavery in Christian America review, and it's going to be right there with the rest of stuff. So you got to take it with a grain gotcha. of salt. But, but uh, I have also had a lot of people who said, okay, we're going to listen to what you have to say up front. And then I said it, and then they were like, okay, we're, we're tired of hearing it now. And then after 10 or 12 <laughs> articles trying to promote the book and the topic, they're like, all right, dude, you really need to shut up about this. And <laughs> I find that very unfortunate. I, I wish right. more people would take it seriously and think hard about it and try to develop something uh, by more along the lines of the bridge or get involved with it. Now, here here's where I am a little disappointed But at the same time, I think I kind of understand it, that uh, organizations like The Witness and some others, Mm -hmm. well, they're not returning my phone calls yet. Let's put it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'd like to see them pick it up and review, although I'm learning at this. And I'll tell you, it's a (laughs) little short story. When I first brought the book out, someone had added me to a group a long time ago. I think it's called something like Black Conservatives arguing with black uh-huh. liberals or something like that on facebook and i went in there and i posted a link and i said look i'd, I'd like for y'all's honest opinion about this and i was a little unprepared with how hostile they were going to be in rejecting it <laughs> and almost <laughs> uniformly it was you get that stuff out of here why would she why would we buy your book You're trying to profit off the trauma and the heartfelt pain of black people. Get that back to the white people who need to read it. Now, I wasn't completely prepared for that, but I do understand it. I understand the pain and where they're coming from. And I've had several uh, conservative Christian blacks who have read it. And said, "This is very difficult to read because it's rehashing the trauma and the pain and all that we've heard, you know, in the past." So I fully understand that, but I do wish, you know, I, I do wish it would create a larger bridge. But it's it's a difficult impasse to break through. I think on both right. sides, but especially on the conservative side, <clears throat> because they're they're so concerned that by picking up this issue they're gonna defect or default into leftists to solutions. And that's not the case.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I you know, um at the bar, I don't know uh how much you've uh checked us out, but <clears throat> we don't really we're we're kinda like the, the black sheep <laughs> of that community. Yeah. Um we don't we don't we don't get our calls returned <laughs> either. Um just because, you know, We don't hold to, you know, some of the strict social point of worldviews, I guess, and and we we are all about the conversation, and we're all about you know the biblical uh, worldview uh, above everything else, you know, and so uh, I I encourage you, you know, not to let that discourage you, uh, because you know everybody's not in a place where, uh, I mean, of course we know how bad it was, we heard about it. You know, we have people, you know, some even have family members with, you know, that that were children of of slaves or, or things like that. And we, we, we understand that. But not all of us are in a place where we can't learn or read or research because of hurt. Uh, some of us understand, you know, the nature of sin and understand that the depths of sin and, and, and seeing sin as at its worst and still have. The, the mind of Christ in, in a biblical worldview and still, you know, present it, you know, or present ourselves in a way where we we don't necessarily shun uh, a man's work just because of uh, the color of his skin, because we don't believe in race here at the bar as well. That's, you know, we, that is not a real thing. Um, we're all one human race. So uh, we definitely encourage you on that. And on that note, man, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back. What's up, Bar Listeners? It's your boy, Dwayne, again, coming here to talk to you about visual theology. I got the book when it first came out, I think maybe a year ago, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, They had pictures and, and graphs that pretty much laid out systematic theology in a way that I've never seen before. I am one that I am very visual, so visual theology speaks right to me. So from that book, they started a website with prints. And study, guys, for the great book, as well as many other things. Go to the website. Right now, all bar listeners get 15% off by using bar in the promo code. So go now. Check it out. Visualtheology.church slash pages slash B-A-R. Go today. Make it happen. Alright, we're back in here with my man Joel. You know, this is kind of a little uh, uh, uh a different term for the bar, but I definitely appreciate uh Joel and the work that he has been doing with this book. Um, and, and it's very important. I'm gonna get the links from him so you guys can check it out and uh and and definitely be able to contact him and make a connection there. Um, Joel, what I like to do on this end, this is the lighter fun end uh and this is i have what i call the three signature bar questions and uh these are three questions that i ask uh pretty much all of my guests to just kind of uh give a show another side you know we, we've been talking serious on the first half and in the last part we're going to get a make it a little bit fun is that okay with you
1: no i can do that
0: <laughs> good stuff I- i'm man. cool all right so all right. Well, the first signature bar question is, what kind of music do you listen to?
1: Yeah, that's almost as complicated to answer as my book. <laughs> um, you know, I've I listen to a lot of rock, a lot of
0: mm. uh
1: When I was younger, I got into progressive rock and listened to dream theater quite a bit. I still thoroughly enjoy a lot of that music. But I also grew up listening to country music from my parents and grandparents. That's how I learned to play guitar when I was very young. And so I still have affinity for a lot of classic country. I I despise modern country. That's just...
0: (laughs) I I think we all do. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: that youtube video where they they put all the songs together and show it's all the same song it's hilarious but anyway
0: right right
1: and uh you know when i was young they had the joke about what happens if you play the country song backwards you know oh you get your wife back your dog back your house back (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's always all been the same but anyway
0: Guys, yeah, nice. But I listen okay. to a lot of classical
1: music, also. I listen to okay. especially classical guitar. I love Christopher Parkening, Bach, mm-hmm. uh, some of the old choral music like Palestrina, stuff like that. And recently, my friend on YouTube or on Facebook, Joe Salant, has been putting out some hip hop tracks that are just killer. And I love the stuff. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not big on hip hop and rap, uh, just I think by my history, but the stuff he's putting out is really cool. I'll link you to it. Just see what you think.
0: Okay, cool. Definitely check it out. All right, sir. The next bar signature question is what book or books are you currently reading? I'm reading
1: a, an academic monograph right now on it's, I know this is going to be completely boring to your audience, but, uh, the title is called "Finding Kerem," and Kerem is a Hebrew word. Uh, it's a study of Luke Acts in light of the Hebrew principle of Kerem, and this is mm-hmm. written by a Korean scholar named Hyung dae Park. Uh, this is a very fascinating book, and I'll be writing some on this in the future. But uh, so I'm reading that. I tend to keep three or four books open at one time, and right. so. Uh, this is the main one I've been reading right now. Some stuff from Bonson, some stuff from Vor- Vern Poitrus, The Shadow of Christ and the Law of Moses. And, uh, but, you know, if you ask me that same question two weeks from now, you'll get a completely different answer. It'll <laughs> be books on jurisprudence oh, yeah. and American history of slavery. <laughs> so, uh, of course. I have an article up, by the way, on AmericanVision.org entitled Books That Have Most Influenced Me. And Mm. so people can check that out and kind of get where I'm coming from in that regard.
0: Yeah, give me that link and we'll put it in the show notes. You bet. So the last bar signature question is what podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any?
1: Yeah, I would say that's minimal. I don't listen Mm -hmm. to many because I spend so much time reading and writing. And trying to create my own content and currently right Right. now trying to mediate uh, some personal issues between other people. So it's (laughs) I'm not a pastor by any means. I'm just a scholar and teacher. But for some reason, I get drawn into a lot of pastoral type work, too. So I don't have a lot of time to listen to sermons and podcasts. I have listened to uh, this podcast some in the past I'm trying to oh. think if there were others uh, well I like to know what's going on you know in what I'm writing about and where I'm working at the time so anything dealing with race or especially black and reformed I mean that's right down my alley so I got to listen to see what's going on right <laughs>
0: uh,
1: recently I listened to a bunch of Jordan Peterson's lectures on his podcast mainly because he's the big thing right now and he also did a whole series of podcasts going through biblical stories in the old testament and very interesting stuff Uh, secularists view got most of it wrong but some of it right and that was interesting (laughs) to me so i tend to be very utilitarian in what i'm listening to it has to be something you know that relates to what i'm working on at the time
0: Right, right. Now that's legit. I definitely get that. I'm kind of the same way when I'm in a certain mindset. I like to listen to things kind of pointed in the same direction. So Joel, man, uh, I really appreciate you stopping by the bar. Those 30 minutes go by really quick when you're having fun. Um, I am going to give you the floor to, uh, you know, address my listeners, what, you know, any announcements you want to make. Uh, I think this might drop next Tuesday. I'm not a percent sure yet. Just be mindful of that. And then okay. any encouraging words or any, any shout outs or anything you want to do, I'm going to give you the space to do that right here.
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, and I'm trying to think who exactly is all in your audience and where they're coming from. I would say, well, if you're interested my in audience my-
0: is probably about, probably about uh you know there's a, there's a lot of african americans of course yes. and then there's a lot of local pastors um uh, in and okay. you know a lot of local pastors listen i get that a lot and and there's a lot of my white brothers that listen that that oh, hit me in the background
1: background oh yeah yeah no yeah yeah this okay. is this is, okay. this is That's the are reform <laughs> so i'll i'll give kind of two two aspects here one would be if you're interested in my work in general just go to americanvision.org and start digging in if you are interested in this most latest book on slavery in christian america and the race issue uh, you can check that out at americanvision.org and you can go to our store and find it you can find several articles i've written on aspects of this in addition to the book you can also find the book on Amazon as well, and it's available in in hard copy or Kindle, iBook, PDF, everything else. And actually, my friend Joe Salant has put up an audio version over at Reconstructionist Radio. So there's that. If you're interested more in stuff in terms of what we do in regard to Christian worldview and biblical worldview in all, in all areas of life, all of society, uh, dig in at the website and and just look at what we have to offer there in terms of resources, books, and I would encourage you to see some of the uh, articles I wrote not too long ago. I put together a free PDF on if you're new to Calvinism. And if you or if you're kind of a young Calvinist and you say, "Okay, what's next? I've read Tulip. I understand Tulip and the doctrines of grace. I've got my views on baptism and the Lord's Supper and ecclesiology. What's next? I would say there's a whole next step to take in terms of applying the Bible to every area of life. It's thoroughly reformed, historically reformed. And we've kind of talked about some of that putting resources together. My uh, Gary DeMar's book, who's my associate here, uh, God and Government, great place to start. My work on restoring America one county at a time is great on social issues. If you want more strictly biblical commentary, look at my commentary on 1 Samuel called In the Midst of Our Enemies. And In the Midst of Your Enemies, I'm sorry. And there's some amazing worldview lessons in there that you don't normally think about when you study the Bible, just thinking about, you know, the salvation of the soul and whose sovereign election, all crucial stuff, of course. Sometimes we miss that there's a whole other layer there throughout Scripture in every place that has to do with life, family, jurisprudence, uh, criminal justice and many other topics that are thoroughly reformed. And I would say, specifically, if you have a large African-American audience, they would be very interested to hear what the Bible says about criminal justice and things of that nature that are, you know, discussions within the black community. So, and I hope to get a book out specifically on that coming forward. I, I think Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow was tremendous it just needs to be tweaked a little bit to come from a christian perspective and have some christian foundations to it so that it's got foundations of course but also it has some minor corrections but that kind of thing should be done by the christian community and we don't we just don't do it and so i hope to be working on some more of that going forward.
0: Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I'm super excited about that. Hopefully all of that stuff is uh, helpful to my listeners. I appreciate you guys coming through the bar another Tuesday. Thank you again, Joel, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Make sure you guys check us out right here, thebarpodcast.com. On Facebook, just search the bar podcast, Instagram, and Twitter, the bar underscore podcast. And make sure you check out the other shows connected with the bar. That's bars that comes on thursday biblical reform spitters with my man t barlow also on friday just thinking podcast with daryl harrison and virgil walker and then kaleo scope podcast with miss ariel and miss lisa robinson make sure you check out all the bar network uh, shows appreciate you guys again see y'all next time god bless up bar listeners is finally here the bar exclusive content yes that's right you can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as two dollars a week or five dollars a month fifty dollars for the year to get exclusive content what is the exclusive content i'm glad you asked exclusive content is additional information from my guests extra time with them and like the green moon setting laid back them asking me questions i ask them questions and also the facebook group you get a invitation to